Hey, welcome to the Stephanie Stevens Show, where I help you discover the power of communication and the keys that unlock the doors to freedom in every area of your life. Well, hello, my dear friend, and thank you for listening to the Stephanie Stevens Show podcast. Can I mess with you a bit today? Is that okay? I'm going to really maybe kick over some sacred cows, if you will allow me. Just indulge me. We're getting to know each other a little bit better here, and I trust that you know by now that I have made a commitment to be honest and transparent and real. And so on a day like today in America, we are celebrating the 4th of July, otherwise known as Independence Day, okay? And there's a lot to this. Now this, it does not matter what country you're listening in, doesn't matter. You could be in Belgium, and if you are, thank you for listening. I know I have a couple of listeners in Belgium, and I'm really excited about that. I'm kind of telling everybody that, like it's a badge of honor. But it doesn't matter what country you live in. Um, We are brothers and sisters because our connection supersedes land, soil, and water, and the air. And I'm going to get into that in just a minute. But today, on a day like today, I feel very strongly that it is imperative that while we celebrate independence, we dive into the definitions of self-governance, we understand and comprehend, because those words mean two different things, we comprehend the true meaning of self-governance. And I'm also feeling strongly that we ought to educate ourselves, because part of self-governance and independence means you are taking responsibility for knowledge, Knowledge is power. And the Bible says the the knowledge of the truth sets us free. The truth floating around out there in the ether above your head does you no good, my friend. The spaces you see that you think are empty are filled with knowledge. It's filled with matter. There's, There's no true void, okay? Everything is filled with something. So knowledge floating around you, swirling around, doesn't do you good. It's the It's the knowledge of the truth. It's the pulling it out of that space and into your mind and then processing and doing something about it that actually does you good and sets you free. According to scripture, the knowledge of the truth sets us free. Whoo, that feels good to say. So the knowledge of self-governance and these words, words are very important. And this podcast is about communication. It's about becoming an expert communicator in whatever genre you are in. And part of that includes words and the importance of the meaning of words and our knowledge of the use of those words in context. So let's just play today, okay? Please indulge me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say some things that you may or may not agree with. That's okay. We can still enter reasonable discussion. And it's at least worth research. Okay, I'm going to hit a couple topics. I'm going to hit sovereignty. I'm going to hit the Declaration of Independence at document signed or autographed. It wasn't signed. It was bylined and autographed in 1776. Signing and autographing and bylining mean different things. Um, I'm going to talk about what independence really means and really ask the question, are we independent? Hmm. What is sovereignty? What is self-governance? And so these are important questions because they're going to touch every area of your life. It's not just about politics. It's not about what country you are in. These are important concepts across the board. Okay, so it's time to play again. Happy 4th of July. 
and you may be listening to this in another country on the 5th of July. That's okay. The concepts here are going to be universal. I promise. So first things first, let's start with in the United States of America, which is maybe a different entity from America, we have a flag and people fly it high and they wave it from banks and post offices and car dealerships and um, in people's on people's yards. You know, they have a flagpole at schools. They have flagpoles and they fly a flag. Did you know that that is not the original flag? That there have been many flags here in this country uh, over the course of time, but there's a flag that many people don't know about. In fact, most people don't know about it. And it's the civil flag. It's the United States civil flag. The background on the square is white and the stars are blue. Okay, on the flag you we typically see, that's inverted. The stripes actually also go vertically up and down. They don't go horizontally. Nobody sees this flag and I hardly see anyone flying it. Now I have a, I have one of these flags and I have a couple copies of the flag. All you got to do is look it up. You could look up United States civil flag. You will see a picture of it. It's beautiful. But here's what's interesting. The United States civil flag is a civilian flag. And this is what it says in the definition. Our civilian flag is a way of reminding Americans, not U.S. citizens, and it's quite possible that the term U.S.Citizen is a legal term. Mm. This definition doesn't say U.S. citizens. It says the flag is a way of reminding Americans, as well as our leaders, that every man and woman is sovereign. We're going to come back to that word sovereign in just a minute. It's a reminder that we are sovereign and that we are all endowed by our creator, not by a government, by our creator with life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This symbolic flag or sovereign civil flag is a symbol of our desire to return America to the dreams upon which she was founded. Interesting. Which, in this definition, is just life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, this flag predates wartime flags. Okay? It predates any of the wartime flags you may be imagining. This is a universal flag that indicates the sovereignty of each man and woman, regardless of the color, the creed, religious background, etc. Okay? I think that's interesting. So let's ask ourselves then, why are we flying a different flag? That flag with the stripes that go horizontally and the background with the blue and the white stripes. Why? Why are we flying that? Well, that's the maritime flag. And the maritime flag is a flag designed for use on ships, boats, and other watercraft. Naval flags are considered important at sea, and the rules and regulations for flying flags are strictly enforced. So my friend, let me ask you, why do you suppose we fly the maritime flag on the land. Does that seem odd to you? Kind of does to me. I wonder if it has anything to do with the fact that this flag was also known as the wartime flag and it was flown on ships. And did you notice that in courtrooms, this flag is flying and oftentimes it has a gold fringe around it. What does the gold fringe stand for? Is it just a decoration or does it mean something? 
Does it mean admiralty law? And if so, why is it flying in courtrooms in the country known as America? Again, thank you for indulging me. I'm just collectively asking some questions that might be interesting to research. If we're flying a wartime flag on the land, are we somehow at war? Is there some treaty somewhere or some, I don't know, law that says we're actually still at war until something happens here? I have an idea. There are people that say that the word law, L-A-W, stands for three different jurisdictions. The land, the air, and the water. L-A-W, land, air, water. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't live on the water. I like to be on the water. I enjoy being on the water. I like to swim. I like to be on boats. But I don't live on the water. I live on the land. And so the land and soil is its own jurisdiction. And it was well before this other Admiralty Maritime flag was created and flown. So why not a different flag for the land? And by the way, there's a difference between land and soil. There is a jurisdiction known as the land and soil jurisdiction. And I believe, I, I believe this is true in every country. And the soil is the six inches on top of the land. Now, why is that an important di- distinction? Because land, land is often connected by water. Like, for example, there can be two cities that are connected by a body of water. And there's land at the bottom of the water, right? So who owns that? That's why there's often a distinction between land, air, and water. Now, who owns the air? What's the air jurisdiction? Well, if there's an air jurisdiction, who owns that? Could that mean all things spiritual? And if that means all things spiritual, who owns that? Or does it just mean airspace? Does it mean the the things by which, you know, airplanes fly into? Maybe that's the jurisdiction referred to by air. It's all very curious and interesting, isn't it? So I wonder about this whole declaration of independence and the desire uh, by those who are bylining and autographing the Declaration of Independence was to declare independence from Great Britain. They wanted to sever ties, their political ties, to Great Britain. And so that's the declaration summarized the colonists' motivations to seek that independence. But I just, I'm curious, do we have that? Do we have independence? Let me ask you another question. And again, thank you for indulging me here. We're just learning and investigating and asking questions because that is self-governance. Finding knowledge, incorporating it, discerning what is true. What's the hay and the stubble? What am I going to chew? What am I going to spit out? That's the hay and stubble principle. I'm going to take this content in. I'm going to take in this information. I'm going to chew it up and I'm going to spit out what doesn't belong here. Okay? And then I'm going to keep and process what does. But as we think about connections to Great Britain, I find it interesting that the word real estate, so that context of the words etymology, real estate, became a legal term to identify, ready? A royal grant of land estate. In other words, royal estate. I'll say that again. Real estates, context, that words, etymology, real estate became a legal term to identify a royal grant of land, a royal grant of estate land. 
Okay, so the term real estate was first recorded in the 1660s. So who would be the royal entity granting access to land on America if we were so independent? And why do we still use that term today? What territory requires a royal grant? We don't have royalty in America or in the United States of America. It's not how our governments were established or organized. So who's the royal entity that needs to grant us permission to access or occupy a territory of land? And why do we still use that term today? It's very interesting, which moves me into the term mortgage. So let's say you buy a house and you think you've got this plot of land and a house on top of it. By the way, the real estate or royal estate, royal granted estate, is simply a term that means the improvement on the land. But do you know what the word mortgage means? Why do we sign mortgages with banks or lending entities? Well, it's because we're borrowing money because we don't have the real assets to pay upfront for the amount that is attached, the value that is attached to that land or the, or the property, the real estate, the improvement on top of the land, otherwise known as the house. But have you ever wondered why you're the only person that signs that document? Why doesn't the lender sign? Why don't you ever see a wet ink signature by a man or woman from your lending agency? I'll tell you why. Here's the word mortgage and here's what it means, okay? Mortgage is a legal agreement by which a bank or other creditor lends money at interest in exchange for taking title of the debtor's property with the condition that the conveyance of the title becomes void upon the payment in full of the debt. Yuck. Who owns your home? Listen to another term. If you've paid off your mortgage in full, you now have the title. The, the, the conveyance of the title is truly yours. But the word mortgage, just the word mortgage, literally means, are you ready? Brace yourself. It means death pledge. Mortgage dates back to the late 14th century with its roots, mort, meaning death in French, and gage, meaning pledge. Death pledge. While that literally makes a mortgage a death pledge, it's not maybe as eerie as it sounds today because that's very dramatic, but that's the root of the word mortgage. So why are we still calling it a mortgage today? Is it because truly the pledge is that you are pledging your allegiance to the creditor that lends the money at an extraordinarily high interest rate and owns your property until that payment is rendered in full. Okay, now I'm not trying to bum you out. I'm just trying to educate and provide a little bit of food for thought here. So, you know, things get brighter and clearer when I'm not going to leave you hanging here on these sort of very strange things to ponder for the day because we are going to move into the idea of inalienable and unalienable rights and sovereignty, okay? So here's the beautiful thing about this idea of wanting independence and wanting freedom. It was really all about self-governance and every and anyone in any country can appreciate and embrace this idea. Here's the reality, my friend. Freedom doesn't come from a government. Freedom comes from your creator, 
and my creator. So there are two different words that are often interchanged, inalienable and unalienable, both used interchangeably. The adjective inalienable means something that cannot be transferred to someone else, taken away or denied. Unalienable is also an adjective that can be defined as not transferable to another, nor capable of being taken away or denied by another. So that word denied is intermingled in there as well. You can use them both interchangeably, I believe, but the point is when we think about our rights, that, that thing that we talked about a few minutes ago, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that's what the Declaration of Independence in America was originally signed to remind everybody of, that our rights come from our creator, not some government. Governments were then contracted to help protect our inalienable and or un, inalienable, sorry, inalienable and unalienable rights. They were contracted. That's where the constitutions come in. You've got a constitution of the United States of America, and you also have your own, if you live in America, you've got your own state's constitution. So all that means is our rights come from God and everything else, but our protections that we step into, our protections, our rights, can be protected by an entity like a government that we contract with or enter an agreement with to provide those protections. Okay, so let's talk about allegiance. We talk about the flag and, and we proudly learned, at least when I was in school, we, we pledged allegiance to the flag. And this probably happens in many countries. And the United States of America is no exception. So I grew up learning the Pledge of Allegiance and we said it even in public school, put our hand over our heart, um, and we said the Pledge of Allegiance. Well, what is allegiance and what does the word allegiance mean? I'll tell you, here's the definition. Loyalty or commitment of a subordinate to a superior or of an individual to a group or cause. Okay, let me read that again. Loyalty or commitment of a subordinate, that's supposed to be us, to a superior, that's supposed to be the flag, or of an individual to a group or cause. Who's the subordinate here? How come we're the subordinates? If we're contracted with a government to provide protection and preservation of our inalienable or unalienable rights, those rights granted to us by God, then why are we the subordinate? Seems strange to me. I understand honoring the sacrifices made in any country to provide the freedoms, that is imperative. There were men and women who sacrificed on every country in the land that knows any type of freedom. Sacrifices were made, and that is undeniable. And it requires and deserves our remembrance, our contemplation. But notice how we don't pledge allegiance to those sacrifices or those ideals. We just tend to pledge allegiance to a flag. And in our case, I guess what kind of messes with me is the fact that people pledge allegiance to the, the maritime flag, but we're not at war and we're not at sea. So it wouldn't it be interesting if we pledged allegiance to sovereignty <laughs> or the civil flag, which means the peacetime flag? No war? 
I don't know, again, food for thought, just food for thought. So when we think about that word sovereignty, I like this word. It feels really good to say this word. Listen to this. Here's the definition of the word sovereign. A supreme ruler, one possessing or held to possess supreme power or sovereignty. Supreme power. Now, you and I may be thinking to ourselves, well, the only entity worthy of that is our creator because their ultimate sovereignty, their ultimate authority, ultimate power, ultimate all in all. And yet we pledge our allegiance to other things and other entities. And sometimes it's governments and sometimes it's ideas behind governments or flags that may mean something different than we actually think it means. And I guess, my friends, that's why I love the idea of pursuing self-governance and what that means. Because self-governance is simply the ability of a person or group to exercise all necessary functions of regulation without intervention from an external authority. I'm going to read that again. Self-governance is the ability of a person or group to exercise all necessary functions of regulation without intervention from an external authority. It's a beautiful thing. We can take this word self-governance and we can parlay it into our own personal lives. Self-governance over our actions, our attitudes, our thoughts, our focus, our attention. There are so many things in which we can actually self-govern. And I wonder if sometimes because we are connected to and associated by and according to our constitutions, we are supposed to be protected. Our liberties in every way, shape and form are supposed to, according to the constitutions, be protected by the governments we contracted and agreed to have protect us. Is that what's happening today in most countries? Perhaps. Is it possible that as we think about our allegiance to, in other words, being a subordinate to a superior, aka maybe a government, is it possible that we tend to, over the course of time, lose our own ideas and ideals for self-governance? When, for example, countries provide nanny states, meaning provide for, give to, um, there's always got to be a condition, doesn't there? I mean, there are strings attached, aren't there? You know that saying, nothing in life is free? I I don't think that's true. But people would say it because they wanted to remind others that there was always some type of condition or connection. It's an if-then. If you, then I will. So when we receive things, for example, from governments, what does that mean? What are we beholden to? What is the other side of that coin? What is our end of the agreement? Does it mean allegiance? Does it mean taxation? Does it mean following the rules without asking questions? What does it mean? Listen, I'm a fan of critical thinking, and I sometimes get concerned that we are lacking in our critical thinking skills these days. I sometimes get concerned that if we are told enough times, and remember, how does the brain learn? By repetition. By, well, there are three ways by which something becomes indoctrinated or programmed into our, our brains. And one of the ways is repetition. Another way is a party of influence telling us something. Maybe that looks like a teacher, a parent, a public speaker, a newscaster, 
when somebody in authority tells you over and over and over and over again something is a thing, your mind is going to start making it a thing. It's going to start receiving that information as true by default because there's no critical thinking. The critical factor has taken a backseat and now it's just taking in this information again because it's, it's given by somebody in a place of authority and over the course of time repetition. And so self-governance, in my opinion, means pulling ourselves out of that. Having the ability to step back, no matter how you align yourself politically, it is imperative, in my opinion, to be able to step back and say, wait just a minute. Does this meet a standard of logic? Yes or no? Can I use my critical factor and process through whether this actually makes sense? Okay. When I'm done with that, can I take it now and can I internalize it and can I utilize my God-given gift of discernment, that plumb line that lives on the inside of us that says, that feels right, that feels wrong? Because the body knows. The body knows. And I think to be able to tap into that discernment is something that we are maybe out of practice in. And getting practice in discerning is going to lead to greater levels of self-governance, which is going to lead to less dependence upon fill in the blank, a government, another person, an entity of some kind. If we grew in our own self-governance, we may be apt to connect with our neighbor not a corporate entity or a government, which in some cases are the same thing. And if we were self-governing, we might practice critical thinking and we might practice quiet discernment and allowing the truth that lives in us, that discernment, to process some of the information that we receive. And I wonder how different our daily lives would look if we practiced discernment and if we practiced pursuing self-governance. Hmm. Again, just food for thought today. Thank you for allowing me the space to challenge some ideas. I celebrate and honor, again, the sacrifices made on every country of any man or woman who fought for the ideals of freedom. Freedom. Here's what the word freedom means. The power or right to act speak or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. Let that sink in. The power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. Here's how Webster defines freedom. The quality or state of being free, such as the absence of necessity, coercion, or constraint in choice or action. Are we really free? Here's another definition, liberation from slavery or restraint or from the power of another. The quality or state of being free, the absence of necessity, coercion, or constraint in choice or action. Wow. So thank you for allowing me to ask some questions and ponder together. And scripture says, come, let us reason together. And so that's what my offering to you is today. Let us ask questions of and come and reason together when it comes to the things we've been told and maybe the things we don't know, but we've just agreed to because over the course of time, that repetition and ideas by authority figures over the course of time and repetition just kind of allowed things to sink in. And now might be a great time 
to start unpacking some of those things we thought we knew and asking different questions about them in the pursuit of freedom and self-governance. Self-governance is a very individualized and personal thing. Sounds like a pretty beautiful thing as well. I'm in for pursuing self-governance. How about you? Thank you again, my friend. Have a beautiful day. And I look forward to connecting with you again on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to The Stephanie Stevens Show. Please remember to subscribe so we can stay connected and you never miss an episode of the podcast. Oh, and if you haven't left a rating yet, please be sure to do so. It helps incredible people like you find the podcast. We'll see you on the next episode.